गुरुर्ब्रह्मा गुरुर्विष्णुर् गुरुदेव महेश्वरा गुरु शक्षात पाराब्रह्मा तस्मै श्री गुरवे नमः I bow to my Guru, I bow to him in infinite Brahman, I bow to him in all of you. I would like to read today from the book that has just come out, Conversations with Yogananda. Master, I said to him one day, at that time I was working in the correspondence department, what letters we are receiving from Germany. Such sincerity and devotion, it is thrilling to see. Yes, he replied, adding softly, they have been hurt, that's why. All those wars and troubles over there, what they need is Kriya Yoga, not bombs. How wonderful it would be, I exclaimed, if Henry could be sent there some day with his knowledge of German. Henry is a disciple from Zurich in German Switzerland. His name now is Brother Ananda Moy. Well, the master replied, maybe I will send you there someday. His reply surprised me. I thought you had other plans for me, sir. I was, of course, thinking of India. I'll be happy to go wherever you send me, however. Certainly I have a natural rapport with Europe, having, as you know, been born and raised there. In fact, I, as a child, I spoke almost as good German as, uh, uh, as English. There is a great work to be done there, he said in conclusion. For years I thought he had been referring to Germany, since that was how our discussion began. I spoke German as a boy. Where God finally took me, however, was to Italy. The Master's words over there must have been a general reference to Europe and not specifically to Germany. It was, in fact, in Italy years later that I met with the greatest receptivity. In Germany, I encountered less openness, openness to what I had to give. They seemed contented with their own way of doing things. Now, this is more history, but it's very interesting to see how, you know, when you drop a pebble in a lake, the ripples go out, and so when a great master comes into the world, his disciples are the ripples, and they go out in all these different directions, his job for me touches very much on why I'm here in India. I always used to think that my job in India, uh, my job serving him, was mostly here in India. But for some years, he took me away from India, and I even wondered if maybe I had misunderstood him in some way. But you know Neem Karoli Baba, a great saint in northern India, and also the Brigu Sanghita, both said that I would someday have an ashram here in, in New Delhi. And uh, I thought it wasn't possible. I thought maybe my guru's power had overridden those divine, that divine destiny. But what I've seen is that in fact and instead, my guru gave me another work to do, which I had to build up. And now, although I'm an old man, the soul is never old, but the body gets there and you feel it sometimes. But nonetheless... I have a lot of younger people working with me now. We have about a thousand people in our different communities. We have seven communities. I would love to start something here, but I'm just a ripple. I have no, no power of my own except that he is able to use me 
to help spread this message of Kriya Yoga, the path of Kriya Yoga, to bring these teachings out to all levels. And so, in fact, from America, from Los Angeles, where I lived with him, he used to say, you have a great work to do. And in fact, in time, um, 36 years ago, I began a community in Northern California, and I've started several others. Then God took me to Europe, and people began inviting me. And I didn't know why they invited me to Italy, because I didn't know any Italian. I spoke French, I spoke German, I spoke Italian, I spoke Spanish. No Italian, but that's where they brought me. And you know, there is a real spiritual tie between Italy and uh, India. There's a certain feeling of rapport between the two people. They both have more of a heart quality, and uh, that's what I love. But uh, I've developed a work there. We have. It's not just I. I have all these co-workers now, so that I don't have to do much, although I don't sit back with my feet on my desk. I'm still pretty active, too. And uh, finally, God has brought me to India. I didn't think it would happen, but it has happened. I have to say, I love India. I love being here. I love being with Indians. This is my home. I have an American body, but I have an Indian soul. And to live here and be with all of you, although this is the twilight of my life, it's a great fulfillment and joy for me to be able to be among you and to do whatever little bit I can. I'm not important, but if I can bring to all of you an understanding of my guru's mission, it's not the ego of a disciple who wants his guru to be well known. Certainly there must be some of that because I am loyal to him and I am enthusiastic about him and I love him. But it's more than that. I see that he had something that I haven't seen other saints do have. No great master is greater than any other great master because they're one with God. You can't go beyond that. But you have to say that some have different roles. And his role was very special. It was unique in a way. It was, as I said, to bring the message of Kriya Yoga, the path of Kriya Yoga to the world. But in that context also, to bring back original Christianity and original Hindu yoga. And in that context, I'm hoping that we can start communities here, also in India. Places where people get together, not for economic reasons, but because they want to serve God together. We've tried this. We have now, as I said, we've been going for 36 years. And it's wonderful to see a group of people who can live in harmony and divine love as a little oasis in that great desert of materialism. I don't mean to put my country down. It's a wonderful country, and there is a lot of spirituality there. But uh, I must say, it's a lot stronger here. And it's wonderful to have these oases where people chant God's name where people sing to God and meditate for God. And then, here's a wonderful thing about communities, and I'd like you to think about it. When somebody needs help, everybody gets together. It just, isn't just an expended, extended family. It's the whole community gets in. If he goes to the hospital, everybody's there to help him with funds, with flowers, with visits, with prayers. 
if a couple get married, then everybody pitches in, because we don't make much money there, but everybody pitches in to give them a beautiful honeymoon. And if somebody's having a difficult time, everybody's there to help him. And then if they're having a good time and you're having a bad time, they're there to help you. It's not like so many villages where you have people sort of gossiping about each other. There's this sincere desire to help people, and if people are out of tune, to help them to see where their error is without scolding or criticizing, just to encourage them. Again and again, in our schools, it's so wonderful to see, and it really does happen, that when you've got one little child, for example, who isn't popular, it isn't as if, let us say, all the girls get together and talk about that nasty little girl. No. They get together and talk, well, how can we help this poor girl? How can we make her happy? She's not happy the way she is. And so they all pitch in to think of ways to bring her out of herself. And so even the students help each other. I tell you, this is a reality. I'm not dreaming things. I'm not talking about swarga. I'm talking about right here on earth and about living places. I believe we can start places like that. And when people understand that it's okay to help each other. Like one time, you know, New York is an area where people tend to be self-protective. And in that self-protection, they don't like to praise or flatter or compliment one another for fear of being stabbed in return. Somebody at a party once asked me to sing some of my songs. And I sang these songs for her friends, sang one song, and everybody was sort of like this, looking at the ground, looking up at the stars, and, or at the sky, and I, I thought, well, gee, if they don't like it, I don't want to impose these things. And, but I thought, well, I want to be a good host, so I'll, I'll sing one more song. So I did, and the same reaction. And then I said, well, why don't we go eat? So there was the stampede for the buffet table. And uh, I just assumed, well, they didn't like the songs. That's understandable. Not everybody likes everything. You can't help that. But this is what amazed me. The next day, I was going with what was sort of like the leader of the group. Every, in every group dynamic, there's somebody who has more sort of authority and is looked up to by the others. And this sort of leader was driving me somewhere the next day. I don't remember where it was, but just casually, I said to him, well, how did you like the songs? Well, they're fine, I guess. In fact, now this is the clincher. In fact, I have a cassette of them, and I play it every day as I go to work. Now listen, if he's going to play this music every day on his way to work, you've got to say that he not only liked the songs, but he loved them. Why couldn't he say so? How often I have seen in worldly environments that people are afraid to give anybody a compliment for fear they're going to be stabbed in return or called naive. Or there's always this sort of protective barrier. It is wonderful to find that when people can live together, and love God together, serve God together, and work for each other's happiness, that bit by bit those barriers come down. You see people even who have been there just maybe a week, they begin to look around, they think, well, gee, maybe I can relax, maybe I can trust my fellow man. And finally they just say, okay. Um, we set an example to people that however they think of you, be loving to them, because you're happier if you are. Now, in that spirit, if we can 
learn to put God first in our lives and understand that He is our only friend. You are our bondhu, our, our uh, companion, our everything, our shokha. He is our own. And if we can live in that thought, then we see that, that uh, we can make friends everywhere. I've seen this happen so often. When you go out into worldly environments and people are sort of, they have a tendency to not be very nice to each other. But when they see you, then they begin to greet you as a friend. And in the most ordinary shopping situation, the people greet you as, your, as their own. It's such a happy life when you find that wherever you go, you have friends. I sort of try to make it a point, like a challenge when I see somebody who's looking dour. I sort of, as Master used to put it, try to shoot him with the machine gun bullets of smiles. I try to win him with his smiles at first, like this, sort of wondering what, what's his ulterior motive. But bit by bit, it, it does win through. You find that you make friends, you win people, and somehow your environment changes. You know, people write to us from far away saying, my life is more meaningful knowing that you people are there. Now, dear friends, can't we do something like that here? Do you know you will have much more security even when you have a broad base of people all working with you? Now, at Ananda, for example, just as a practical consideration, somebody gets out of work. Somebody finds that there's no need for him in whatever work he was doing. Everybody's there to carry him. We had a fire, and we have a health food store in Nevada City in California. A fire put it out of business for six months. That would have been enough to destroy most businesses. But because we had the whole community behind it, we were able to carry it along bit by bit. Finally, it flourished more than ever before. So you find that a community, apart from other things, is broad-based. I certainly don't want to draw you to a community for mercantile reasons, but if you have that fear, that insecurity, I certainly want to reassure you that you have a lot more security when you have many people. It's like an old man who was dying, and he had six stalwart sons, and he asked them to bring him six sticks. He took one stick, and old and frail as he was, he took that stick and broke it easily. He said, now give me the other five. Put them together. Even the strongest of them couldn't break them. He said, remember that, my sons. If you will stick together, you will be strong against any obstacle. But if, on the other hand, you each stand alone, or each, like in a community of ordinary people, each person in a business has 999 enemies. If he can have 999 friends, isn't that wonderful? We can change the world with this attitude, not immediately, but one by one. So, what is the answer? Put God first. Open the door of your heart to His love. You will understand in that openness. My heart's door is always open to your love. That is the meaning of this song. It's a chant that was written by my guru in English, but it's a translation from the Bengali. It's a beautiful song. Listen to it.
joy to you. Yeah.